0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 2 of the 28 Summers podcast. I'm Jay Worthy and this is the podcast for anyone trying to inject some adventure into their lives. If you find yourself yearning for a more adventurous life or stuck in the daily grind, rolling from one mundane day to the next, you are in the right place. 28 Summers is all about living life adventurously, seizing the moment and optimizing your life. None of us know when our time is up, so let's use our time wisely. By reconnecting with nature and rewilding ourselves, I am convinced that we can find a life of balance and purpose. Everyone has an adventurous side, some just need some help to coax it out. And that's what 28 summers is all about, helping people seek out adventurous experiences at every opportunity, and taking out the guesswork, taking out the fear factor, or the barriers to saying yes to a new experience. Earlier this week, I shared a bonus episode with an idea for an everyday adventure, something we can all do with minimal fuss and maximal return. And I received some great feedback around the fact that I recorded some of that whilst out in a forest near me, hiking and enjoying everything nature had to offer. So today, I'm going to try and do that for the whole episode, so let's see how this goes. Outside, in the elements, in my element, talking to you about exactly that, getting outdoors and living adventurously. Last week, I mentioned two topics for today, morning routines and planning adventures. We've got a lot of ground to cover, and these are both topics close to my heart. So let's dive right in. Morning routines. Actually, scrap that. I hate that word, routine. It is so dull. It's so mundane. And that's exactly what we're trying to break free from. So from here on in, let's call them morning flows. That's how I like to think of them. I'm sure you've all heard of the term flow, essentially being in the zone, that mental state in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement, enjoyment in the process of the activity. When you hit flow, you will know all about it. And it is one of the most energizing feelings there is. It's just after 6am and I'm sat looking at the sun breaking above the trees. You may be able to hear a little road noise, I'm not deep in the wild, but I'm out in a small clearing in a green space near me. And I'm sat here recording this podcast because it's the perfect place to talk about morning flow. On a personal level, morning flow has changed my life. Before I adopted one, I was a busy, stressed executive, never enough time to handle emails, always reacting to what came my way, feeling delinquent as a father and a husband. On the surface, life was great, success, wealth, the usual metrics. But underneath the water, I was frantically paddling to stay afloat. Something had to change. And that thing was my mornings. I realized through reading and listening to others' wisdom that by not controlling my morning, I was essentially sacrificing my day to others. Others were setting my agenda. Through emails and last minute 7 a.m. meetings, derailing my mood and forcing me to deprioritize key things I wanted to achieve. In his Stanford commencement speech in 2005, Steve Jobs dropped this huge piece of wisdom. Every day he would look in the mirror and ask himself a simple question. If today was the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do? When the answer was no for too many days in a row, he knew he had to change something. And when I read that, I was taken by the power and simplicity of it. Later, I would actually realise that it's at the heart of the Twenty Eight Summers philosophy. But at the time, I was really just significantly hit by one fact. He's not letting anyone own his day. And if it was good enough for one of the most successful people in history, it was good enough for me. And I immediately set about reading as much as I could about routines and how they can change your, your day. I read everything the 10 things the most successful people do every morning, the 5am club, the power of morning routines, you name it, I read it. I was obsessed and it 100% changed my life. I took control. Don't get me wrong, it's not a magic wand. Business stress and workload don't dissipate, but my ability to handle them and critically triage them went to ninja status. I gained perspective. I began to recognize the power of setting aside time for me, for myself to read, to meditate, to write. Critically, I began to accept that it didn't make me less committed to work, or less ambitious, or less determined. The opposite actually was true. When I focused more on getting focus and clarity, I found I was able to make smarter decisions. As it relates to 28 summers and living adventurously, I'm a firm believer in the importance of morning flow. Without that balance, that time to focus and prioritize Work will always win. Living adventurously is all about ensuring that your life has variety, that you try new things, that you say yes more. That doesn't happen on its own. You have to work at it, and there is no better way and no better time than early in the morning before the world is fully awake and everybody is operating at full capacity. At that time, your mind is just a bit clearer. You can make plans, you can prioritize, You've got time for learning, reading, writing, meditating. You have space to dream. And that my friends is flow. Aristotle is famously quoted as saying, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And that is so true. Self-empowerment, self-improvement, optimized living. It all happens as a result of repeated effort. So hopefully I've sold you on the power of a morning flow. So let's dig in a little. How do you go from the romantic idea of owning your morning to actually pulling the trigger well first off i highly recommend thinking through what you might want to do as part of your flow personally i oscillate between reading writing meditating mobility walking generally exercise some of these may not be for you and some of them may not come until later down the line until you're ready so my advice is start with the things that give you the most pleasure That makes sense, right? If you want to do it, you're more likely to do it. I often chat to people who end up making it a chore. They don't mean to, they have the best of intentions, but it ends up being this layered up list, this regimented list of things they have to do. And that, my friends, makes it a routine. It makes it a penance, and that is a bad thing. That is a formula for quitting in three weeks. So instead, prioritize what you love. Whatever helps relax you gets you to a calm place and allows you to clear your mind, just in the moment and enjoying the present. Next up, I strongly recommend thinking about ingredients rather than a recipe. I made this mistake early on in my journey. Something about my regimented mindset, I think, made made me make it a schedule. 4 a.m. wake up and read, 4.30 a.m. meditate, 4.45 a.m. gratitude journal. You get the picture, it was just too heavy. And that can actually work quite well at first. I think it takes out the guesswork for people, but it does unravel pretty quickly. As soon as your mood changes, if you wake up and you're not feeling meditation, then it's just not gonna work. If you're feeling inspired to draw, then reading is just not gonna fly. So I urge you to collect the ingredients and then every day craft a recipe dependent on your mood. If you're feeling stiff and tense, mobility and meditation are going to be your friend. If you're feeling confused and stressed, try writing down your thoughts in a journal. If you're curious and in need of inspiration, dig out a good book and get reading. So if you're still with me, then you may be starting to think, well, how long does all this take and what time should I get up? Now, a warning shot to all those who go all in on things and you know who you are. You wanna lose weight, so you give up drinking, go vegan, cut out chocolate, join a gym, buy a peloton bike all in the same week, right? Sound familiar? And I know a lot of people are like that because they really want to do it. They really want to make a lot of change. So they layer in all these changes at once. But generally that can equal a big problem because it's really hard for those changes to stick because there's just so many of them. The morning flow is really the same. It needs to be gradual incremental changes that get the best bang for the buck. So my biggest suggestion is try waking up just 10 minutes early every day next week. Do one thing from your ingredient list every day, Monday, meditate, Tuesday, yoga, Wednesday, reading. Whatever floats your boat, but just 10 minutes. Do that for three weeks. If you managed at least, say, 16 to 18 days out of the 21, then go to level two. Now get up another 10 minutes early. So cumulatively, you're now getting up 20 minutes before the time that you were before but you've done it gradually and you've given yourself time to get into the rhythm. This will build a robust, sustainable behavior set and layering your flow like this is a winning strategy. It worked really well for me and I've seen it work really well for other people as well. Ah, but Jay, I'm not a morning person, I hear you cry. I get it, I totally get that. Some people hate the mornings and I'm, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that for some people, mornings is just not their thing. But in my experience, the I'm not the morning type person person is normally, well, not really helping themselves. So, you know, when you dig in with those kind of people and you talk to them about the fact that, you know, they're not really able to get up early in the morning, and that may be you as you're listening to this, ask yourself the honest questions. Are you going to bed too late? Do you have too much blue light before you go to bed? Have you got your bedroom the wrong temperature? Are you having alcohol or heavy foods right before you go to bed there's honestly a catalog of things that you may be doing which when you adjust them over time could lead to a more restful night's sleep and ultimately a more natural and energized wake up i'm a huge fan as you might expect of getting outside early in your morning flow whether that is watering the plants in the garden walking the dogs or going for a run it really doesn't matter It's scientifically supported that sunlight, even if it's not particularly sunny, is a powerful energizer for your mood and your focus. One of the consistent features of my morning flow, particularly in the last year has been my gratitude journal. This didn't come easy for me, but it has been really powerful. I write it in it most days, just a few lines at a time to help me zero in on things that I'm really grateful for, reminding myself that I'm blessed, that I'm happy, that sends a strong signal to my brain to keep perspective and not let my emotions get too far left or right. It might work for you too. I've mentioned in an earlier episode that the power of meditation is something that didn't come easy to me and it's such a big topic, uh, it's such a big area. There are so, different, so many different ways to meditate. It can be difficult to find the right way for you. And I mentioned previously that for me, when I'm out in woodland, or I'm walking without my headphones. That's when I'm happiest. No noise to distract me, other than the birds and the animals around me. The sound of nature. That is when I'm in my best meditative state and I feel zen. I'm at peace and I feel like I've got a clear mind. I love letting my mind roam in that environment and seeing where it goes. To me, that's the essence of meditation. I have tried other types of meditation and none really worked well for me. And that's not to say they won't for you, but I strongly recommend trying different types and really trying to zoom in and zero in on the thing that gives you the most peaceful feeling. If you can level up your morning game over time, you'll be stunned at the impact it can have in your life. It will open a doorway to an energetic, optimized and adventurous life for sure. Okay, so let's change pace. We've got our morning flow nailed down. We now have a plan on how we're gonna own our morning, to take control and set clear trajectory for our lives and our days. Next up, we've got time to start thinking about adventures. I'm hoping like me, you may have been dreaming during lockdown of the trips and the adventures you might be able to go on. The peaks you can climb, the hikes you can go on, the rivers you can kayak. As the world begins to get back on its feet, the prospect of those things is really exciting and so I thought I'll focus today on you know the importance of planning and how you can start to prepare for some of those things. We've been talking a lot about smaller everyday adventures and, and they can be a great experience and they're really good to just pack into a busy schedule and they do require a lot less planning. But if you're starting to think about something a bit more grand, maybe climbing the highest peak in your region or kayaking the full length of a river near to you, or maybe even a spot of wild swimming or wild camping, whatever gets your juices flowing, there are certain things that you should be thinking about. There are times in my life when I've thrown caution to the wind and embarked on adventures with minimal planning. Some were fun and exciting, but many were relatively underwhelming. And I don't want to be the buzzkill who makes life uh, too... Regimented and makes living adventurously more of a spreadsheet exercise But there is a ton of value in covering some basics to ensure you have a great experience and want to come back for more First off full disclosure, you can't prepare for everything So that flat tire you get driving to your starting point or the broken paddle on your kayak Or the flash storm that comes out of nowhere and wasn't forecast These are the factors you can't control for but you can be prepared and being prepared helps you kind of weather that storm or ride through the difficulty and be relaxed and still have an adventure on the other side of it. So number one on the list of tips is to ensure you pack properly and appropriately. That means packing season appropriate clothing, waterproof protection, water to drink, or a way to filter water, snacks as a minimum then depending on your adventure of choice, the relevance applies for that task to mitigate any risks there might be. Strongly recommend ensuring you know how you would call for help, which may seem like a strange thing to say, but when you're out, maybe a little bit further away from uh, everyday life, from where you live or from where there's other people, you need to think about the methods you would use to get help if you needed to. So with that in mind, good knowledge of the region that you're traveling to and within is an absolute must. If you plan to go hiking in the Scottish Highlands, for example, spending time reading ahead, reading people's accounts of activity they've done, watching videos, polishing up on your navigation skills, and being versed on the routes and which ones match your skill level are all absolutely essential. And with that in mind, consider the difficulty of the challenge. And to do that, you've got to be clear on what you want to achieve. So if you're looking to go and soak up the sights, enjoy the ride, really have a a low energy but high experience, then you need to plan your route accordingly. Conversely, if you're keen to take on something epic, then size matters. You need to be prepared to consider the implications of long days on your feet, on the move, and the toll that that may take on your body and your mind, and making sure that you consider that, you visualize the experience, and you're going into it ready and willing to accept that this is going to be a very difficult challenge but that's part of the reason that you're doing it. I always recommend that you share your travel plans with someone. It's never a bad idea to ensure that someone you know has got a pretty good understanding of the challenge you're undertaking, the route that you're taking, how long you expect to be gone for. That way if anything happens and you don't come back on time or they can't get hold of you, they know when they call for help where to start looking for you. So don't bite off more than you can chew. Adventure, in my opinion, is not about bravado. It's not about having a story that you can go and tell at the the bar or the pub. You've got to leave the ego at home. It's all about focusing on things that may be a challenge for you, but not outside of your capability set. Don't confuse the idea of avoiding uh, things that are outside of your capability set with lacking ambition. With that approach, Ross Edgeley for example, would never have been the first person to swim around Great Britain. You shouldn't confuse ambition with recklessness. Ross sought out the very best advice. Even though nobody had ever done this before, he got the best advice and the best support possible. He controlled the controllables and ensured that he had the best chance of success. So I'm not saying don't be ambitious. I'm not saying don't do really difficult challenges but I'm saying make sure that you have the skill and the capability and the experience to tackle them and if you don't seek advice and expertise to help ensure that you're safe and that you have a great experience always take a first aid kit I can't emphasize this one enough better still go on a first aid course and get some qualifications good knowledge of first aid and an ability to know how to use what's in your first aid kit are absolutely vital To be honest, in any part of life, but particularly when you're out trying to experience nature and in more remote parts of the world. Most importantly in my mind, is try to find other people that have done similar things to you and learn from them. Listen to their experiences, get tips on how they experienced the adventure, what they did, what they learned, what they would do differently next time. Some friends and I are currently planning a 200 kilometer kayak trip down the River Thames and we are constantly speaking to people that have done similar trips down rivers wild camping at the side of the river to learn and they give us some great hacks and tips many of which are not as intuitive as you might imagine but will certainly make it a more enjoyable experience for us. So there you have it some simple ideas to plan your next adventure. If this is really new to you I highly recommend finding a tour guide or adventure travel company who can help you. It doesn't remove any of the fun and it will just help ensure that you have a safe fun uh, memorable experience and that you want to come back for more and quite often these travel operators and experts really know so much about the area that you're traveling around that they add in you know more value and more fun because you're learning as you're going as always i'd love to know what you think of today's episode please share your pictures your videos on instagram tag me at one day adventurer and let me know what adventures you're either going on have been on recently or are daydreaming about thank you so much for listening please remember to share the podcast with friends and family and of course take time to leave me a review so that's it from me stay healthy stay happy and remember to live life adventurously